Your audience is important. Your audience creates credibility for your offers. Your audience validates your paid programs and you need those people too. This is for you, the online business owner who wants to maximize your profit and multiply your impact. I'm Shanna, host of the Community Creators Podcast. I've spent over a decade helping top brands and entrepreneurs create thriving communities that increase their reach, retention, and revenue. This podcast is where I share my best insights and invite you into conversations with the world's leading community creators and cultivators. So grab your favorite mug, fill it up, and let's get started. Well, I am super excited today because I get to interview my absolute favorite business person in the world and my business bestie, Laura Meyer. So Laura is the founder of Joy Brand Creative. But more importantly, Laura has scaled a couple of businesses to seven figures of her own. But not only that, she's also helped a lot of other people scale to seven figures and beyond too through her company. She's an absolute genius at branding and marketing. And because we're such good friends and we've been friends for so long and we're talking on Voxer all day, every day, she's also been a big part of helping me shape my business. If you know Laura, and chances are you might, I was joking with a friend the other day that it's like seven degrees of Laura Meyer, you know (laughs) that she is amazing at relationships. Laura knows how to have genuine relationships that ultimately help her grow and scale her business and help make connections that grow and scale other people's businesses as well. And that's the topic of her new book, Win Win. So we are going to be diving deep into the relationship aspect of community and how to not just have superficial relationships with lots of people, but how to actually know and be known and how those relationships can help you in your business as well. So Laura, friend, this is a long time coming. I'm so glad that you are here. This is, this is, this will be so fun for people to hear our banter. I know. (laughs) Normally, that normally is reserved for like our families having to overhear and say, are you messaging Shanna again? (laughs) Yes. Is it? You're putting your makeup on. You must be talking to Laura. Yes, I absolutely am. So yeah, this is, this is going to be fun because we're going to try and keep this just raw and real so that you can just get insight into how we have these kinds of conversations and and long boxers. But before we dive in, as always, I want people to get to know you a little bit. So tell us about your favorite community you've ever been a part of and what you loved about it. Oh my gosh, before you started recording, we were laughing and I was saying, I feel like it should be about a church community, but it's it's not. Right. That's that's the answer, right? That should be the answer. (laughs) <laughs> That's the answer that I wish I had, but it's not. It's uh, it's my tennis community. I love my tennis ladies. If you know me at all, for those of you who are listening, you know that I am uh, an avid tennis player. I mean, somebody might say addicted, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel like that was completely out of line. Okay, but um, but on. I do play a lot Stop, of tennis. Up. Tell me about your Halloween costume. Just since you say, some would say addicted, but just talk about this Halloween yeah, costume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say addicted. I would say consistent and on brand. So yes. I was a tennis ball. And yeah. because I'm vertically challenged, I could actually order a child size and it was perfect. So I just fluffed <laughs> it out. And my husband, uh, we were trying to figure out what he was going to be. So uh, we dressed him up as Andre Agassi from the 90s, which was really fun. And when his mullet came, um, it scared our two-year-old. And then once he started wearing it around the house more, um, she was like, Daddy, that's funny. I love so it. That was Andre in a tennis ball. 
Okay, so we've talked about this before, but talk a little bit about what you like about the tennis community. You've kind of shared before about um, how when you go and have matches, like what that energy is like. So I think for me, it's just that camaraderie. It's that inclusiveness. It's that getting like looking at my phone, which I normally keep on silent throughout the day and seeing that there's like five different text threads of people wanting to play tennis and knowing who's available and always just feeling included. And I think at first for me personally, it, it didn't start out that way. I got back into tennis after playing in high school and college, and it took a little while to get to know everybody and get on the text lists. But once I did, it was always feeling like if I if I was feeling restless or I wanted to work out or I just wanted to hit the heck out of a little fuzzy yellow ball, like I could look at my phone and a variety of opportunities were likely presenting themselves in order to be able to do that. Um, I like tennis because truthfully, and this is something I say to my kids, is that if you're going to choose a sport to put your time and effort into, choose a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. Like we're probably not going to go out and play field hockey in our forties, but we'll golf, we'll tennis, like choose a sport that if you move to a city and you don't know anybody, you can, you know, meet people. And so that's why I love it as a sport. It's very social. It's a good way to meet people. You can do it into your older age and stay active. Um, and, um, and there's something just incredibly cathartic about hitting that fuzzy ball as hard as you can. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of my husband, Casey, as you know, and, uh, golf, like it's that same kind of sport where yeah. it's a very relationship driven sport. It's a yeah. sport that you can play for life, which is also why he loves it and wants our kids to know and love the game of golf, but it ties so much in to what is at the core of you? And I know you've um, had many businesses that you've grown successfully and been involved with many businesses, but we talked about this. There's been a common theme throughout your life and throughout those businesses, and that is relationships and your natural ability to form friendships and develop relationships with people and then create these webs of connection that are really symbiotic for you, for the people that you're in relationship with. So talk a little bit about you know, how you've kind of seen that morph in yourself over time. Yeah. I mean, when I heard you speaking about how I've gone about relationships and relationship building, a word came to me that I haven't ever thought of before. And I think it was because you were saying it and you know so much about me and my history and background, but I think relationships make you resilient. Good relationships equal business resilience. And over the last 20 years, I have had some incredible wins, some major highs and some pretty low lows. And I think when you move from one stage for your career to the next or you pivot from one business to the to the next one, you can't typically take your website with you. Um, you're typically not going to even take your social media accounts with you. You may or may not take your email list, depending on how relevant it is but you will always take your relationships. And that has shown up for me when I need it the most, honestly, and expected it the least. And there was times that I can look back on. I mean, one of which was about four and a half years ago, I was walking away from a multi seven figure business that I had spent about a decade building that was no longer what I wanted to continue doing. And I remember sending a text out to a group of people that I was networked with and were recognizable in the in the industry that I had come from. And I was really just letting them know what it was that I was going to be doing, which was closing the old business and uncertain about what was next. 
And one by one, after they you know, said, Laura, I'm so sorry. I know that you loved the business that you built. They started asking me if I would consult for them. They, they said, you know, I love the brand that you created. I've been watching you. I think you're a marketing genius. Would you be willing to come to our headquarters? And these were CEOs of pretty big brands, painting with a twist, massage heights, lash lounge. And from there, my consulting career was born. And today I have a, a robust consulting business. I train and certify consultants and have a consulting mastermind. But that would have never happened if I hadn't had those relationships in place. And when I was building those relationships, I wasn't building them with the intention of, oh, when things fall apart, they're going to be my safety net. Right. But that's what ended up happening. Yeah. So just for some context around this and how Laura has really naturally done this, and I would say only recently has been able to really put into words over the last year or two, how she's done it and put it into a framework that people like myself and others can learn from. Um, but when I met Laura, I was on stage speaking at an event and uh, Laura basically went up to my husband and was like, um, I need to be friends with your wife. I think I'm supposed <laughs> to be friends with her. And next thing you know, a few weeks later, I was flying my whole family up to Pennsylvania to meet Laura and her family and stay with them. And I'm pretty sure her husband, John, was like, I'm sorry, who's coming? And they're bringing how many kids and what's happening? <laughs> like, but that's the, I mean, that's it. Like you just, you boldly step into relationship where I know a lot of people, even myself, I can be really socially awkward at events. In fact, I have an event, you know about this, but I'm going to LA uh, next week for an event. And it's, it's going to be my first event in a long time where I am going knowing nobody except for the event host that invited me to come stepping into a room, into a city, LA, I've never been. Um, and just having to put on this energy of like, I am here to meet people and serve them and connect. But I really do have to intentionally put on that energy. Whereas I feel like for you, it just, it flows really naturally. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting observation. I mean, you know me better than, you know, most people. And so um, it's, it's really neat to hear that from your perspective. And I think when I think about it, when, when you have built so many different businesses, really on the foundation of relationships, you start to learn to trust that. Like you don't have to show up in a particular way to get a, a certain type of outcome that you have in your mind. Because you know that if you just really show up, you connect, you look for opportunities. I'm always looking for opportunities. Is this somebody I could introduce another person to that would be a great connection? Is this somebody that I could serve in a particular way? Typically, most the most common um, outcome is, hey, let's do an exchange. Let's get on each other's podcast. That would be a great way for us to get to know each other better. I'm always looking for either that opportunity to give or that opportunity to match, to be a collaborator. And sometimes you just give to people because you can, right? Because of everything you've been through in life and business can benefit them in a way that may or may not come back to you. And that's okay. But I trust that the multiplier effect of those interactions come back to us multifold and often in ways that we could never anticipate or expect. I'm working on a huge project right now that you know of. I couldn't have planned that. And it's going to be a tremendous revenue stream in my business, a connection that I couldn't have scripted. 
And it really came back to me because of the relationship that I have with the person who referred me to work. And I think um, we often, right, want to look at relationship marketing like a direct response campaign. And it's it's the opposite, right? Direct relationship marketing is going to create this, like I said, multiplier effect in our business over time. But it's not the thing that we do today that comes back to us tomorrow. And direct response marketing doesn't even really work like that anymore. So if we're going to put our effort and our energy somewhere, I'm a believer of it might as well be in people because the algorithms don't have our back. I hate to to tell anybody who's listening that might think otherwise, but Zuck does no interest in you personally. Um, but what the people who care about you and your business, those are the people that are really going to carry your business forward. So how essential do you think that is? I'm sitting here listening to this like I'm hearing it for the first time, knowing that we've had this conversation so many times. But I can imagine if this concept is really new to me, I might be thinking, how do I get that little voice out of the back of my head that says I'm investing in this relationship because I do hope that one day I'm going to get something out of it? How essential is it, do you think, for me to be able to enter into these relationships with a true purity of intention. Right. I, I mean, I think you ult- it ultimately comes down to trust, is how much do I trust that the sum of these activities, not this individual interaction, but the sum of these activities will create fruit. And I, there is such a trust and confidence that I have. And I think it's because I had to build my business without social media. I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. I mean, I was growing a business to seven figures when, you know, when Mark was still filling out his Harvard application, you know, and before Facebook even started. So, so that was survival for many of us who have been in business. And you, you just get into this place where you trust that it will come back. It doesn't have to be immediate and often isn't. But that again, when we approach it from a place of letting go of outcome, that's when the best connections are made. And what I find is that when you go into every interaction, most of like dollar signs in your eyes, like what's, how is this going to benefit me in the short term? That's actually what people dislike the most about relationship marketing or networking. It's why most people give up on it. And it's why people who have a really valuable um, contribution to a community or to a network, that's why they refuse to network. Because they will, they won't show up in those rooms because they think everybody just wants a piece of them. So if we can kind of just collectively change that dynamic, everybody benefits, everybody wins. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it is, it's interesting because even the term relationship marketing and networking for so many people just puts a bad taste in their mouth because they've experienced that dollar sign person coming to them with a clear agenda. And the moment they realize the well is dry, that they can get nothing from you, they're gone you know, and that relationship has, has severed. And really for you, it's all about having this more holistic perspective and knowing your heart. I think it does come from a heart of just generosity around your life experience and what you've learned and what you're able to give from that. And just trusting that those relationships, the sum of the relationships, as you would say, ultimately that's going to support you down the line. And I know this can't be done 
formulaic, right? If it's done like a formula, then it doesn't feel genuine. But I do know that you have a framework around it. I mean, obviously you have your book, Win Win, coming out December 6th. If you haven't gone to pre-order it yet, please go do that. You can go to createyourwinwin.com to pre-order the book and get all sorts of bonuses and stuff like that. But without telling us everything in the book, could you give us a little bit of advice if we're going, okay, I've got this event that's coming up or my Facebook ads are tanking like so many people right now. I need to try a different strategy. Can you give us just some basic guidelines around how to get started with this mindset and approach of relationship building and business? Yeah. Well, the first thing is, is to think about what you can contribute before you even go into an exchange, right? Is to think about what you're going to bring to the table. Like nobody wants to invite a dinner party guest who brings a half drunken can of Diet Coke. You know, like that is not, that isn't, you know, like I'm on like a two day process of making a charcuterie board that I'm going to be bringing to my friend's house tomorrow night. Like that is how you show up to a dinner party, right? You know, all joking aside, or, you know, if you don't feel like your charcuterie boards are Pinterest worthy, no worries, you can still do this. But it's ultimately about thinking what it is that you have to bring to the table. Most often, this should be a platform. Most often, this is a podcast, this is a LinkedIn, this is a blog, this is a way in which you can exchange with somebody else who you think would be a good fit to get into a collaboration with. Now, that's not going to be every exchange that you have, but it's probably the easiest, quickest tip that I can provide that when you go into a room, you're looking for other people who solve a similar problem for your target audience but from maybe a different angle or perspective or area of expertise. And that is really what we're looking for. But not everybody fits into that category. But when you're, when you're in a group full of peers, that's usually what you're looking for. If you are in a situation where people are just looking for your assistance, for your help. I went into a group training yesterday and a few people were a little bit like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to meet you. That's so exciting. In the small circles I run, they were very much inspired by some of the work that I do and, and what I've shared with them. And so I think in those moments, pouring into people and showing up for them and being generous, even if all they ever become is your audience, right? Your audience is important. Your audience creates credibility for your offers. Your audience validates your paid programs and you need those people too. And so I don't want to say that when you go into a room, everybody should be a collaboration opportunity. Some people are just an opportunity to leave somebody better off than you found them and let that word get around about your reputation. But other people are going to end up being a really good match for your business. And I find collaborations are the best way to get started because that's when you see how somebody really operates. Are they showing up on time? Are they, you know, flustered running from meeting to meeting? Or are they cool, calm and collected and confident? Because if they're showing up that way in the collaboration, that's probably how they show up with their clients. Which is really important, right? Because I know so many of us have worked so hard to build our reputation. You know, we kind of talk a lot about like relationships and reputation and how important those two things are. And many people, I would say, have probably been burned by the relationships part of that equation. They've worked hard to build a reputation. They have um, pass the torch, if you will, of influence to somebody else who has really failed with the person that they made that connection with. And so I love how you're saying, you know, work with them a little bit, get to know them a little bit, 
because that's probably how they're going to operate with their clients or with their community so that you can really know. Now you can never really truly know. I think even the, the best, most amazing people in the world have put their name beside somebody that they wish they never would have put their name beside. But to do that due diligence of just making sure that this is somebody we want to align with, especially this day and age, I think is really important. Yeah. And listen, we all have bad days. We all have bad months. <laughs> Some of us have bad years. I know I have. And just because somebody doesn't show up in a particular way that you had modeled in your mind in that moment doesn't mean that they won't down the road. So I'm such a believer in, you know, if somebody is going through a challenging time or if they're showing up in a way that doesn't work for you, you know, you just simply put up a boundary and move on. It's not a reason to write off relationships completely. The only person that that punishes is you. And if you think about it, right, like not every landing page converts at 100%. No, your relationships are going to convert at 100%. But your relationships are probably going to convert at a much higher rate than your landing pages. So when you're, poor, you know, when you're developing these connections, I mean, yes, I can think back in the last 20 years of a handful of people who were extremely negative, the win-win turned into a win-lose. And I prefer to probably not have a conversation with that person again. But relative to the amount of people who I don't have those feelings towards, it's a small percentage. So don't let a few people that maybe, you know, just it didn't work out. That's just probability. You know, It's not necessarily an indicator that you should stop trying at relationships. What if you had the right story for the right person at the right time, every time? Well, you can if you leverage my streamlined story system. I'm going to show you proven ways to collect, organize, and share stories like a pro. Just go to streamlinedstorysystem.com to check it out and use code creators to get a special discount. Yeah, and this is... I just want to provide some context here because many people who avoid relationships and business or keeping things going anywhere beyond surface level are people who have been burned in the past. And they probably hear you talking and they're like, oh, well, what would she know? I have this, this, and that, and this is happening. This person did this thing and this person (laughs) has wronged me. And between the two of us, me personally, you professionally, We have had our fair share of being burned and wronged by people and needing to learn the art of forgiveness and letting go, even when people don't admit they're wrong. And so without us going into this big counseling session for everybody who's listening right now, can you just talk a little bit about that journey for you? Because you did value relationships so much. You built your business, a franchise business on relationships, and then there was definitely a time when you were burned by the relationships that you had built, not all of them, but some of them. And for a while, you kind of pulled away from building new relationships and going into relationships. And you had to really rebuild your resilience around that. Are you open to talking just a little bit about that and um, encouraging those that are maybe been in your shoes before and have been burned to step back into trusting people, if you will? Yeah, I talk a little bit about this in the book in the last chapter, and it's called Don't Fear the Win-Lose. And I think for me, you know, many people might not even know this about me. And I think it's some of what you're you know, alluding to because you know the story very well. But for 
a period of time, I was a successful portrait studio owner in my area. I had opened multiple locations, franchised it. And when we hit about 12 locations countrywide, a lot changed in the photo industry. It was a combination of changes in the external environment. And some of the relationships that I had with my franchisees went sour as a result of the business not really performing to their expectations or even honestly mine. And so some of those relationships went legal that all eventually all got settled out. But it was extremely emotional. I saw myself as somebody who I prided myself on relationships. And here I am, you know, in legal battles and filing for bankruptcy and going through a really low time in my business for several years. And while it was extremely painful and I had to heal from that on my own time quietly by doing just a lot of really good, deep work. Coming on the other side of it, it is interesting because I really see a lot of what went wrong there is circumstantial. And I see it as just a huge learning experience in business more than I see it as people are bad or they, you know, uh, that was a, I, I was a victim or anything like that. I think it truly was a, a, an unfortunate business situation that created an unfortunate um, relationship outcome. With that said, I think that we have a lot of choices to make about what we want to believe about relationships that have gone poorly. And we get to choose what story we want to live in <laughs> and what story is going to benefit you the most when it comes to your most challenging relationship losses. And the story I choose is the person was going through something difficult that I don't really understand and they handled it in the best way they could. And that's truly what I believe. And you could probably sit with me and argue otherwise for a very long time if you knew the whole story. But the truth is there isn't a lot of upside, right, to believing that people are bad or they're wrong or they're vindictive or they're malicious. There isn't a lot of upside to believing that, right? But there's a lot of upside to believing that people do the best they can given the circumstances with the resources they have. And it doesn't mean that they get to have level 10 access to you forever. You can create a boundary, but you can also not punish yourself for what took place. And ultimately, that's the decision that I made. And I'm so glad I did because I don't think I'd have the business I have today if I hadn't chosen intentionally a new story. Yeah, I love that. Just being really intentional about the belief and the thought that you hold, asking yourself, is this really serving me? And the thing that you said at the end there, I think is so important. You can have boundaries without punishing yourself. Yeah. And I think so often we think the pendulum has to swing one way or the other. We either have to be completely transparent. We have to be open to everybody. We have to always be saying yes to every inquiry of our time and our mind, or we are shut down. We don't have room. We're shut off and we're fearful of relationship. But what you're talking about is this place in the middle where you're intentional about the relationships that you build. You're intentional about how you go deep in each relationship, not all relationships being equal. And you get to have those boundaries. But it starts with making sure that if you find yourself avoiding relationships, avoiding networking or relationship marketing or meeting new people or whatever that might be, ask yourself why and what's the story behind that and try and rewrite your thoughts about that in a way that serves you and doesn't hold you back. Right. I mean, scripture says, guard your heart, right? 
It doesn't say cut everybody off. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say put up armor when you walk in a room. It just says guard your heart. And I think the more wisdom you gain as a result of the experiences that you have, the more that you'll be able to see a win-lose coming. And given what I know today, I wouldn't have even put myself in the position of that win-lose for me that did five years ago. I would have noticed that that was a business situation that was inherently has conflict, right? And I would have anticipated that more. It doesn't mean that I wish that it had never happened because it got me to where I am today. But sometimes the wisdom of experience is really something that can't be replaced. So as you create more connections and the minute that somebody shows you who they really are, you just bless and release and you keep going. Because again, handling it any other way is just only going to punish yourself. So can we talk just a little bit about something that feels a little selfish? Because like I said, I am going to this event next week in LA. (laughs) And I do struggle to be the girl in the room that says hello to strangers. And I know I am not the only one. And for those of you listening that have seen me go live and, you know, present on big stages and all the things you're probably like, there's no way Shanna's the community person. You must be so extroverted. And I will just say this, I am a hundred percent extroverted in a room of people that I know, but I'm with my people. I am full on and I love it. And I go deep and I'm connecting and building relationships or when I'm in an official role, like for example, I run our local Moms of Nolensville community and I host events for the moms, like Moms Nights Out. And I am just like on fire. And Casey's like, um, you struggle to like walk in to church on a Sunday and sit by somebody you don't know, but you can host a room full of strangers. But it's just a different mentality for me. So as somebody who is going into an event and has an opportunity to meet new people, I mean, what really practical advice would you give for somebody when they have an opportunity, as so many of us do, if you're in the online marketing space, the community building space, you have multiple opportunities, whether that be at a virtual event or an in-person event, to make connections. What practical advice would you give for somebody entering into a space like that? Yeah, I think many of us always walk into a social interaction with a question, right? And the question is sometimes, am I good enough? Do I belong here? Am I accepted? And I write a little bit about this in the book. And I think for many of us, that comes from our conditioning. It comes from how we were grown up. It's part of our winning strategy, winning in quotes, because it's not always helping us win. But it's part of how we navigate interpersonal interactions that maybe we're just conditioned to approach in a very particular way that may or may not benefit us. So I would recommend going into it thinking Well, the question is, what's the common ground? Like, what do we have in common? And what I find is that when I do that, I always have something in common with somebody. Like, I I can always find something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something impressive. Like, oh, you were valedictorian of your college? I was too. That may or may not be uh, something that, you know, you might have in common with somebody. That only happened to me once, and it was hilarious. Um, But the, the thing that you might have in common with somebody is just people in common, situations in common. I might sometimes ask people, do you have a family? Sometimes people have kids, they don't have kids, but just asking about their family. I have a family, you have a family. 
that makes it easy. And sometimes like yesterday, sometimes people will come up to you if you're on the receiving end of this and be like, I listen to your podcast. I love your work. What you do is so great. And you're like, oh, that's so wonderful. Where did, where did you come in from? I immediately flip it. I immediately deflect. Oh, you're from upstate New York. That's actually where my mom is originally from. Where did you, where it's just deflecting and it's looking for that place that you can create a common ground. And I'm of a belief is that you could be the most conservative person and walk into a room full of liberals and you're still going to find something that you have in common. And, um, and that's really what I look for is like, what is this foundation in which we can create a common ground and that build up from the foundation. And it's funny because a lot of that is what I teach inside of my community strategies. So it's like just, you know, always the mirror reflecting back, but it's this concept of finding uncommon commonalities with people. And if you're in a room that is full of speakers, the uncommon commonality is not that you're a speaker, right? Everybody in the room has that, but the uncommon commonality may be that you're a speaker from a certain area of the country or to a certain audience or that you are a mom or a tennis player or whatever that might be. And you find those by remaining curious about other people. And it's so easy for us to talk about ourself, um, but it's even easier for others to do it, right? If it's easy for us to talk about ourselves, it's easy for other people. They just need to be asked questions. And that comes from being genuinely curious about other people. So I'm talking myself into it right now. As we're, as we're talking about this, I'm like, Shanna, you know how to do this. You teach people how to do this for a living. You do this. You're great at it. And I think the other thing too, is like really recognizing for your listeners of the underlying question. Like I will say in my twenties, even in my early thirties, my question was, are you impressed with me? I would want to make sure that I left you very impressed with me. I'm, you know, kind of an overachiever and somebody who likes to overfunction in situations to keep everybody happy. So I want to make sure that you are very impressed with our interaction. And it's, you know, annoying, <laughs> right? Even if you, even if you're very diplomatic and tactful about it, it doesn't always leave people with the best impression. And trust me, if they get to know you over time, they like your interaction, they follow you and you, you're putting out good quality work. They will be impressed eventually, but it doesn't have to be in that moment. And I think for me, a lot of what I even went through, it allowed me to let go of all the outcomes and allowed me to just not worry about what people think when I'm speaking with them and purely created room in my brain for my intention to just be, you know, what do we have in common and how can I make a connection? I love the thought of finding the question. I know what my question is because I verbalize it, my husband all the time, but it's this feeling of do I even belong in this room? Yeah. Like I don't fit in. I don't belong. And I know where are the roots of where that comes from. I went from being like the most popular girl in school for many, 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 many years to having like a family tragedy that left me in this place that was like questioning, do I even belong here? I'm not like yeah. these people anymore. And I think no matter how much success I achieve, and many people probably feel this way, but no matter how much success I achieve, no matter you know, how many big things I've done, right? Or people that I know or whatever it might be, I often still question whether I should be in that room. And I struggle with this, even with the mastermind that I'm in, the the person who leads the mastermind. And I always have this question. He's like, will you just show up? Like, we want you to show up fully, like you're supposed to be here because you are. And I think the truth is, is that I've, if I really thought about it, I don't like withholding help or wisdom from people that I'm around. And when I question 
whether I belong in the room. That's exactly what I do. I go into a room and I don't contribute. I don't let my voice be heard. I think all of these, like, as far as I'm concerned, really smart things that are really helpful. And yet they just leave with me or leave in my notebook and they don't, they don't get shared. So I, I really need to, to hone in on that mentality of like, I'm here to serve. I'm here to contribute. And that means that I'm not going to be for everybody, but I am going to show up fully because I want to be generous with what I know in my experience. So I like, yeah. I like that. This is a good conversation for me going into yeah. my trip next week for sure. Okay. One other really practical thing, you know, we talk all the time about what it's like to be moms running very successful businesses. Yeah. We both have three young kids at home, similar age. We are in similar life stages in so many ways, but when you are a busy business owner, oftentimes you resort to going, I'm only going to spend time on revenue generating activities. I'm only going to spend time on my funnel. I'm only going to spend time, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. And all the relationship stuff can get pushed aside. Now I knew this myself. I started um, my consulting business and working from home back in 2012. I knew nobody who was in that space. And what I found is I got so consumed by doing the work and serving my clients that I didn't leave room for a relationship. Now I left room for networking. I would go to networking events and I would walk in the room and I would, you know, speak on the stages and do all the things. And, but I didn't leave room to like invest in those relationships beyond the event. Can you talk just a little bit about what that looks like for you on a weekly basis? How much time in your schedule are you leaving for this kind of relationship building? Yeah, such a good question. Again, it's funny because I think that's how I was conditioned. Even though I'm a growth strategist, I look at funnels, I look at data, I look at sales events. I always know that we can increase the conversion by increasing the human experience. You know, like anything that we do to improve the quality of the interaction from a humanity standpoint, an empathetic standpoint. I know we'll always make conversion go up. So it's funny how, you know, even the most fully automated funnel is not probably fully optimized because most people do not want to rely on a click. A click is not a relationship, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's what most people are looking for. But when it comes to the time and the effort, you know, this is business development. This is what guys have been doing on the golf course for, for decades. And this is something that when you speak to people who are big rainmakers at big organizations, this is what they do is they, you know, seek out connections intentionally with people. It's where the dream 100 list originally came from. And they follow up with great matches for their organization on a regular basis. And I mean, follow up like probably 20 minutes a day of just checking in with people, keeping track of your connections. And it's something that I think the online space is relatively unsophisticated at, even though it's a very simple activity. It was funny, yesterday I was sitting next to somebody who's in my mastermind. She's a brilliant brand strategist. I mean, one of the most talented I've ever seen. And she was talking about her funnel that she wanted to build out. And I sat with her and I was like, who do you know that has a seven-figure business? And we just like put on the list 10 different people. I was like, or you could call those 10 people and pitch them like a $4,000 a month retainer. She's like, or I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, right. And I think to, for a lot of people, that's a little less comfortable. It's a little bit less talked about. It is a 
a little bit more of the direct path to income. But for busy parents like you and me, I like the direct path to income. I like the direct path to money. That is what allows me to work fairly part-time for the size of business that I have, prioritize my faith and my family first and foremost. And you and I have that in common. We really intentionally spend a lot of time with our kids and not just FaceTime, but spending time thinking about how we're parenting and how we're showing up as a parent. And I personally think that this is the path less traveled, but it's the easier journey for so many of us who are looking to build businesses and then also prioritize our kids. And I love that you said just 20 minutes a day, right? This is a habit of consistency more than it is a strategy that is like a funnel you're going to spend all this time building and then launch. It's just a habit that you create. And going back to the you know, guys on the golf course, right? Which is so true that this is natural of a corporate environment. But the other side of that, it's like, this is what CRMs, customer relationship management systems were built for originally. Before we had this like online space of, let me put 5,000 emails into this CRM and track all of this data. CRMs were originally for salespeople to just go in and put potential customers in there and current customers and write their notes and they would get reminded of when to follow up. So if you are not very good about keeping up with information, you can easily do this. I have one in an air table where um, my assistant puts in like everybody that I ever email with or, or make a connection with. And then I just try and genuinely follow up with those people. And partly because I want to, it's just, they haven't crossed my mind. I don't spend a lot of time like in Facebook newsfeed. I have it blocked on my desktop. So people don't just cross my path and cross my mind because I'm looking at social media or whatever it might be. I also am very careful about like email newsletters I might be signed up for them, but they all go into a folder. So for me, I, I need to be intentionally reminded to follow up with and build relationship with people on it. And it has served me very well, not only in like the business side, but in the relationship side. Before we wrap up, could you speak just a little bit how this has played out for you in your business? Because I don't think people, I think people talk about relationship marketing and network marketing and all this stuff. And it's not often that you have somebody that has been able to do what you have done and you look and go, so much of this has to do with relationship, if not all of it. So can you just talk a little bit about what it's made possible for you? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question because I think, you know, every now and then I'll mention to people what happened four years ago and they're like, four years? I'm like, yeah, it was four years ago. I kind of can't believe it myself. I mean, we live in a beautiful home. We have a gorgeous lifestyle. Kids, you know, we go to the country club, all the things, right? And I think a lot of the business that we have, the the entire business I have, I work exclusively with one-on-one clients, consulting to them, pretty big names in the industry, names that people who are listening would recognize and might even follow. Um, I have a group coaching program helping people with a marketing and sales background become certified consultants, which turned into a mastermind. And then also I have a big group consulting project coming my way in the early part of next year through a think tank that I'm connected to. So that's created a pretty robust business, um, very profitable, a lot different than brick and mortar that I used to be in. But all of that was made possible through relationship marketing. I can't attribute any of those sales, particularly the bigger ones and large scale ones, to anything but the relationships, the connections and creating value for those folks to the degree to which they feel comfortable referring me and doing business with me. And I go into a lot more detail about that in the book and specific stories and examples 
of how that came to fruition. But um, it's 100% supported by relationship marketing. And I really encourage everybody else to consider approaching it in the way in which I recommend, because I think they'll find that they're probably sitting on a lot of goodwill and a lot of opportunity that they are um, underutilizing. Yeah, not to mention just like the friendship that comes out of it, because we talk about this all the time, but we're just so grateful to have each other because I think we've both been in seasons in life and business where we haven't had a friendship like this of somebody who gets you in all areas of life for us. That's, that's family, that's spiritual, that's business. And I want that for everybody in business. I especially want it for the women, the moms who can feel isolated because you've got this entrepreneurial spirit that maybe is not as common in the circles that you run in. But I I desire that for so many people. And I think this is the beginning of it. It's just learning how to cultivate and spark these relationships and investing in them. And you'll never know which one becomes so much more than just a business relationship. Really, it becomes a, a deep friendship that you value greatly and don't know what you would do without because that's how I feel about you. Yeah, I know. It's the same with you. And it's so, I think having people who prioritize what you prioritize and the order in which you do, it's a gift. And I'm so grateful for our friendship. And I think for anyone who's listening, if you were kind of like, I want a friend like that, or I want a relationship like that, that happens through genuine connection through, you know, I didn't walk up to Shanna being like, Hey, like, do you have any clients for me? You know, like it doesn't happen that way. I mean, we've been friends for many years and uh, like, I'm just now having you on my podcast. We were just now (laughs) talking about you being my podcast. We're like, wait, we've been friends for so many years. Like, how's this just happening? Because that wasn't the intention. It's not the intention. And what you want to do is build up a bank of goodwill around you so that when things go wrong, when, you know, the, you know, it hits the fan, when you have a big gap in your client roster, when something doesn't go according to plan that you can lean on. And I think more than anything, that should be your intention um, in business because it's irreplaceable. And it has shown up for me in so many ways that I couldn't have anticipated. And knowing what I know today, I would have, you know, forgot, not worried as much about the funnel or how popular I am on social media and more worried about how connected I am. Hey friend, if you have an online program, you know the importance of having customer success stories and testimonials. Well, what if I told you I have a proven system that will help you unlock more stories from your program and keep them organized in a way that will allow you to have the right story for the right person at the right time. I want you to go to streamlinedstorysystem.com to check it out. And when you're there, Use code CREATORS to get a special discount for being a podcast listener. All right, back to the episode. Well, Laura, I am so grateful for you coming and spending time with my community and just for them to get a little piece of you. Like, I feel like I get you every day, but to give them a little piece of you, I think is so, um, it's just a gift. So I want yeah. people to be able to get more of you in two ways. One, obviously, I want you to go and get the book. Seriously, go to createyourwinwin.com. She's got some amazing bonuses when you pre-order. I'm telling you, I have witnessed this woman do the very thing she's talking to you about. This is not like I sat on a plane one day and decided I was going to write a book about relationships. It's like my life work has been relationships and this is what it's created for you. 
or created for me. And now I'm going to show you how I've done that so that you can do it too. So you want to get the book because like she said, your relationships outlive everything else in business and in life. And then the other thing is Laura also has a podcast of her own. So Laura, tell them about your podcast because it's a great way to have Laura in your ear and get to know her even more. Yeah. Thanks so much for mentioning that. My podcast is called Next Level Leap. And you can look at, you can go to yournextlevelleap.com. And that's all about how to approach your next big leap in business in a way that's sustainable, that's authentic, and is the right next best step for you. And I think depending on your values and where you are in life, that is very personal. So I explore that on my podcast. All right. So connect with Laura and thank you so much, Laura, for coming. Um, bye to everyone else. I'm sure Laura and I are going to be chatting on Boxster in like 10 minutes. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure of it. So great to meet your community and thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you soon. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, then do me a favor and leave a review letting me know what you want to hear more of. To learn more about the show or connect with me, head to shanalyn.com. That's S-H-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N.com. Until next time.